Hello, how are you? I'm Robin. Welcome back to Flat White Chats and welcome to another podcast where I start by saying, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah, I've done it again. Dropped the ball, didn't edit the podcast and I've just sat on it. And actually, it didn't take me that long. So uh, firstly, sorry to you guys for keeping you hanging and sorry to Danielle Pizer, who is on the podcast this week. And Danielle actually said to me, Robin, seriously, if it's that bad, then just just tell me. No, Danielle, seriously, you are a babe on this podcast. You're absolutely amazing. You're inspiring. You're great. People are going to love this, seriously. So sorry for keeping you all hanging, but it's lovely to see that um, and hear that you've all missed me. So hi, I'm back. This one is with Danielle Pisa. She is, uh, she's pretty incredible, actually. You'll hear, actually, by the end of this podcast, you should, I hope, feel very inspired Danielle is someone who I would just call really real. She has worked her tits off, like literally. She's been a dancer. She's not, she's not just, oh God, I, I'm trying to explain who she is. You just need to listen. We, we talk about Kylie Minogue, dancing for Kylie. Um, we talk about her, her, her rise to like Insta fame and being a blogger and being a girl boss. Absolutely awful term. She doesn't actually say that. I'm calling her that. Um, and just about not having goals which is something which seems negative, but it's not. Listen on, you are going to love this. Now, if you are new to my podcast and you've not yet pressed subscribe or you're not yet following, then that press that follow button on Spotify or press subscribe on iTunes. Also, if you've not yet left a rating, then please do leave a rating. It's got to be five stars, guys. Not four, not three, not two, not one. It's five. It's five stars. Okay, here we go. You have been waiting long enough for this. Danielle Pisa on Flat White Chats. Danielle, welcome to Flat White Chats. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for coming to my flat. I know you've made you've made the journey, although I have provided. I mean, you've provided quite a spread here. We've got a, a good balanced meal, yeah. I think. I was saying to Danielle before she arrived, because as you will hear, she is uh, basically, well, she basically has the body of a, a goddess. And I thought, will Danielle have munchies and Haribo? So I've got, I've got kale um, and pumpkin hummus. We've got celery, we've got carrots, and we've got Haribo. Absolutely, yeah. I'll definitely be getting involved in the Haribo. So actually feel free, if you want to eat at all during this podcast, then it's absolutely fine. I've got a list of questions. I I did a a very quick bit of, I mean, I know you. We Mm -hmm. met at the Brit Brit Awards. Um, But there's, there's a lot about you that I'm so interested in. Okay. So you're a massive, like, social media influencer blogger youtuber dancer yes you've literally done a lot and you're you're not even 30 yet yeah i feel like i've got a lot of like slashes to my name you know um i've never been a one job type of girl although being a dancer was kind of what i did for the best part of 10 years then probably towards the last three years or so that's when everything else started changing and the whole social media thing came around and um yeah, now I've kind of ended up here, actually not really so much dancing anymore, um, but obviously still kind of incorporating that into what I'm doing at the minute, so. And you're classically trained, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, so I uh, I went to kind of a normal school, regular mm-hmm. school, um, and was always dancing after school. It was the hobby that kind of always stuck. That's how I describe it to people. You know, some people go swimming, some people do karate, I danced and I absolutely was obsessed with it. You know, some of my best friends now are those I went to dance school with rather than those I actually just went to school with. Um, And then I left school after my GCSEs 
um, much the reluctance of my parents who wanted me to continue and do A-levels and go to university, go down the kind of sensible route, I guess, as I would probably want for my kids. <laughs> but I just knew that it just wasn't for me. And I went to a place called the English National Ballet School, which is in Fulham. Um, sounds very prestigious, but I mean, I guess, yeah, it is, it is a prestigious ballet school. It's kind of ranked at, I think, top in the um, second in the UK. Um, so that was kind of, I didn't realise how, I guess, incredible that was at the time. And then it was full ballet from 8.30 till 6.30, Monday to Friday, and then 8.30 till 2.30 on a Saturday. So we had five and a half days of pure ballet. It was, it was a lot. Um, and I loved it. Unfortunately, I got injured, that typical like centre stage or black swan kind of story. Um, and it just meant that although I made a full recovery, physio said to me, you know, yeah, you could kind of progress and, and do ballet as a career. But with how intense it is on your body, after four, maybe five years, your foot could be knackered and that could be you done dancing for good. And I was 18. I kind of had to make this decision like, hang on, do I want to be fully retired by the time I'm 22 and have to completely find something different? Um, and I just didn't want to risk it. So that was when I kind of thought, I've had a great time. Ballet clearly is not the path that I'm meant to go on. And that's when I moved into more commercial, which was ultimately what my career was consisted of. What's commercial dance? So commercial dancing is, I guess, like backing dancing is the easiest way to describe it. So anytime you see a pop star, if they're on top of the pops or they're doing a music video or they're doing a TV performance, the dancers behind that was me and my friends basically and that is kind of the things that we did so dancers on the x factor we did you know uk and european international tours um music videos all of those sort of things and then as well as that obviously like corporate jobs so a lot of brands have like fashion shows but i'm not talking london fashion week i'm talking you know in a shopping center they'll have their fashion shows or they might do a flash mob in liverpool street station but i would say the thing that i always aspired to do was the backing dancing I mean, that sounds like one of the most <laughs> exciting jobs to be able to dance. You're not at a desk. You're on these amazing stages with, you know, huge artists. Like who? Who have you danced for? Um, OK, so I'm going to be dropping names, yeah, but drop you've them. asked me. Drop so it's like okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, OK, so I, I worked quite a lot with Kylie Minogue. I travelled quite a lot with her. Um, Katy Perry, I was in one of her music videos, Justin Timberlake. It was. A, I normally don't interrupt anyone. Okay. I'm so excited Katie to hear Katy Perry, these. she um, released a ballad called Unconditional, Unconditionally. Yeah, I know it. Um, I'm not going to sing it, but you know, you, you can just YouTube it and find yeah, the song. Yeah, um, yeah so we, we were dressed up. It was actually filmed in Stratford Town Hall. Yeah, we, had, we spent two days in Stratford Town Hall, um, dressed in these kind of exquisite ball gowns, and she was in the centre, and there was, there was fire, and there was a bed that was set on fire, and an owl that was swooped in and had to land on her arm, and we were basically just dancing as if it was just totally normal in the middle of Stratford Town Hall around her. So that was a pretty epic music video to be a part of, um, and she was so lovely as well, so that was fun. Um, Justin Ky Timberlake. Kylie, give us Kylie. Kylie, oh my God, okay, so Kylie is one of the sweetest people I've ever met. I danced for her pretty solidly, I'd say, for about six to eight months. Then she kind of went away and didn't need us. And then I kind of came back um, and she needed us again. And she remembered everyone. And I think for someone like Kylie, who must come across so many people, for her to remember kind of me and say, oh, welcome back, it's nice to have you back. It's great to be back doing this. I was like, okay, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're a good person. Um, that, you know, it's, it's little things like that that 
to me as a dancer makes me feel respected and on the same level you know we always stayed in the same hotel as her some artists will stay in a super plush hotel and then the dancers will be in the travel lodge nothing against the travel lodge but it's not the mandarin oriental no. whereas when we dance with kylie we'll stay in the same hotel as her she has those rules yeah okay she'll be in the penthouse but a standard room in a hotel a five-star mm. hotel is still more epic than you know my bedroom at home so um that was always nice we, you were always treated really well when you dance with kylie so um I've got a lot of respect for her. Um, and she's so petite, tiny. She is, I think she's something like four foot 11. And she's got size two feet. She, you literally want to put her in your pocket. She's so cute that you almost have to remind yourself to not patronize her because she's that adorable. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's pretty iconic really, isn't she? She's been around for ages. So I feel proud that I was kind of part of her, you know, her lifespan of, you know, amazing career. So she was, a, yeah, she was an epic one. I'd always say yes to her if she asked me back, mm. definitely. So Kylie, if you are listening, Danielle is up for doing I'm more here, with you. Babe. She's here, yeah. yeah. And I'll come along just, just to be there, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. How do you get picked for, for being in like a Kylie Minogue video or being on stage with her? Because I'm guessing part of it is obviously skill. Yeah. You've got to be able to move in a certain way. But I often, you know, when you look at music videos, each of these girls or guys have got their own thing. Yeah. Like does personality come into it? I definitely think so. I think more so now mm. than it did before. I think there was an era in dancing where people wanted the backing dancers to be clones of each other. And it was like, don't add your own flair, don't add your own personality. These are the steps, do them. We want like robots behind the artist. And I feel like now people are a lot more appreciative of people being unique and showing their own kind of style, as long as obviously they're doing the correct choreo at the right time. Um, with, I think, some of the bigger artists, they will hold auditions, well, they will hold auditions, but I think a lot of it is about the choreographer being able to trust the, their dancers. You know, you're going out there, you're dancing in front of 90,000 people at Wembley Stadium. Yeah, you can audition for dancers, but ultimately the real test is how they can deal with that pressure. Or, you know, part of Kylie's costume breaks on stage, that's happened before, and it's like, right, no one can know about this, we need to fix it. And it's kind of giving that look to the person next to you. Are you gonna go for it? Okay, I've, I've got your back, I'm gonna do this move. No one's really gonna notice, you fix her costume. You make sure that this show makes the news but for the right reasons, not Janet Jackson at the Super Bowl. Yeah. When that whole when the thing happened. Out, yeah. yeah. Um, so when you get to, I think, for working for artists like that, it does, it, it does become a lot more of, mm -hmm. if you've worked for the choreographer before, and they know they can rely on you, they know you can, they can trust you, they know that if you need to, you can work well under pressure. Mm. It's kind of reputation, you know, after a certain, after a, a few years of dancing, and that's kind of where I'd like to think I got to in my dance career, that my reputation spoke before, obviously, yeah, talent, you know, you have to be able to perform the moves, but my reputation spoke hopefully before me for all the right reasons. I mean, that's amazing. I could literally ask you about every <laughs> single like pop star in the world. Being, Did you dance for them? Have you done this? Have you done this? It's been a fun time. Yeah, it's, it's only kind of now whenever I talk about it, because I don't really talk yeah. about it that much. On reflection, I kind of do have a moment of, actually, that was pretty epic. Like, that was that was pretty mm. cool. So, um, so how did you get from there to where you are now? So right now, you, uh, you're, massive, you're massive on Instagram. You've got a huge following. You yeah. put a lot of your, uh, your dancing stuff on there, your lifestyle stuff. And actually, that's, that's a good point there. When we met for the first time, we kind of had that moment of like, what do you do? Yeah. And you sort of described yourself 
as not just doing one thing. Yeah. Like what what would you say if someone said, okay, Daniel, like what what do you write about? What do you do videos on? What do you, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've struggled with this question actually before in the past. And I think the reason for it being is that I almost struggle with society's perception of social media in that if you're on social media, you technically can only do one thing. You're a fitness girl, you're a fashion girl, you're a beauty girl. When in reality, you can be interested in more than one thing. You know, you are interested in fashion, but obviously you've also got a passion, you know, for doing all your, your grooming and hair, you know, being a barber, like th those sort of things. That's okay. You also might be into pandas for all I know. Mm -hmm. Like I have yeah, no yeah. idea, but I think that on, on social media, people expect you to, to kind of, they want to be able to bracket you. And that's something that I still struggle with now. And then when people ask me what I do, I feel like I should just say, I'm a fitness girl. Yeah, I'm into fitness, and I would say that that has stemmed obviously from my career of dance, from my love of dance. I'm now sharing my knowledge on that. But I am a normal girl, woman, girl. You know, mentally I, I feel like I'm, I'm a girl. I post what I like, I post what I enjoy about life. Mm. I'm not sure I, I enjoy the word lifestyle. When people say I, I just do a bit of lifestyle, what what does that really mean? But actually, I have found myself describing myself as a, oh, I just kind of do lifestyle, um, because it does range over a few things. So I would say I my, my strongest passion and focus is fitness from a dancer's background. Um, but then I'm quite a girly girl. I like trying all the you know new creams and things on my face. I, I like going shopping. Um, so I mean I haven't really answered your question if I'm honest no, have you I? Have, but... you have. It's a bit it's a bit of everything. You've got that expertise. And actually you do see that in your content. Like I was seeing you always use a hashtag, hashtag train like a dancer. Yeah. What what is that and what does that kind of mean to you? So I set up my secondary Instagram account, which is Daniel Pisa Method, um, a year ago, because I saw a a lack of training within the fitness industry that wasn't just you go to the gym and you lift really heavy weights or you go for a 10 mile run. I do neither of those mm. things, yet I've always managed to maintain my mm. physique and obviously it's always come from mm. my career as a dancer and just my enjoyment from dancing, regardless of whether it had been a career or not. Um, so I wanted to create this kind of workout method that derived from me, you know, how I trained as a dancer. And that's kind of where the hashtag kind of came up because I, I put out this fitness content and I felt as though it didn't really necessarily fit anywhere you know yeah a lot of the exercises i do are standard exercises that you'll see in the gym or you'll see other influencers bloggers you know whoever doing them but mine just came from a different place in terms of how i would would relate it to the music and how when people say to do things for 45 seconds i would do it more to like a verse and a chorus and songs like music for me is such a big part of what i do um that that's kind of where i'm trying to have my little bit of kind of the fitness industry and just shake it up a little bit and show people that you you can really enjoy staying fit and you almost don't have to realize that you're being active or being fit because we've all danced at some point every single person listening to this past podcast probably every single person you pass on the street has danced at some point it might be after a few glasses of wine mm. but everyone's had a good time when they've danced no one's danced and been sad mm. you're always having a good time and that's what i want to try and get across because i think in the fitness industry quite a lot there's almost like a, a chore behind it and I've never been about that. I've never seen dance 
as a chore. I've never seen my job as, as a chore. It's what I absolutely love doing. And then the secondary of it is that it keeps me mm. in shape as mm. well. Um, so that's kind of where the Train Like a Dancer hashtag came from. I want people to be able to search it, find some, obviously my content, but also for other people to be like, I've just done one of Danielle's dance workouts on YouTube. I feel great. Mm. You know, whenever I've hosted classes, people have come up to me at the end, dripping with sweat, saying that was probably one of the hardest things I've done, but I felt like I was in a nightclub for 45 minutes. I felt like I was just out with my, with my mates, you know, you, the, the energy, the vibe in the room. And that for me makes me feel like I've done my job. You know, mm. like, yeah, you're sweating, you've worked hard, but you almost haven't realized you're working out. That's kind of the, the mark I'd say I want to leave on kind of my little stamp in, in the fitness world. I think that's really cool because you said there about fitness feeling like a chore. I still feel like that and I'm like, oh, when I get up, I'm like, oh, I've got to go to the gym or I've got to do this, I've got to do this. But you're right, dance is not like that. It's yeah. fun, it makes you feel good, it's really sociable. Yeah. Your Danielle Pisa method, is yes. that just then a growth from the stuff you've done before? Is it the way that you're training or, I mean, how can someone get involved in that? So it's going to be connected to my website which is which I noticed is yeah under imminently construction. Mm. yeah I've actually had some emails today from my web developer I'm really really excited about it. it's taken a while to develop because if I'm going to do something I'm going to do it right and it's basically going to be I want it to be like a hub um you know like I've listened to other people and you know even people that you've you've done podcasts with and they've, they've spoken about whether they'd have kind of contributors to their website and I can see why it wouldn't work for mm. everyone. I totally can. But in the field that I'm in and the, I, the space that I want to kind of progress into, I'm not an expert at everything. People are asking me nutrition questions. People are asking me about when they go running. People ask me, you know, the best running trainers. I don't run and I, mm. I happily, you know, will say that I'm, I'm not, I don't enjoy kind of long distance running. I don't know everything in the mm. fitness and wellness world. I know what I know and that will be the core of my website but I want it to be a place that people can go to for other expert advice. You know, I recently sat down and did a Q&A with a Harley Street nutritionist. She knows a billion times more things than I do about nutrition. So I want people to be able to access her and her knowledge and that's kind of what my webs I want my website to be. I I don't want it to be all me me me. Um and I understand how that wouldn't work with everyone because if some people are just doing fashion things and they want you want to see what it looks like on them, fine. But I think with what I'm doing, it, it works better for me to have contributors. Mm. So ultimately, that is what my website will be. It will be a place that, you know, I, will, I guess I am the, the editor, the editor-in-chief of my own website, you know, the, the founder of it. And it will be a place where my method will have, you know, like stand precedence and, and that will be the core of it. But also, if you want to go in there and find a great recipe, you know, that, that has been created by a chef that specialises in gluten-free recipes. Well, yeah, like, I, I could find one, mm. but why not, you know, go to, you know, be able to have that access to that chef or that nutritionist or whoever it is, that expert, you know, I'm going to talk with, you know, an anxiety professional, you know, expert who knows how to deal with that. Like, I want to be able to offer that to my audience. Um, and that's kind of what my website will be, ultimately, kind of a hub that people can go to, like your go-to for all things, you know, fitness, health and well-being. Mm. That's kind of how I've I've decided that I, that, that's what I want to yeah. kind of put out there in the world, so. I love that because I feel like a lot of bloggers, I'm going to say, feel like they've got to 
be the face of absolutely mm. everything and they've got to be an expert. But actually, I think the power in what you're doing is actually realizing where you're needed and actually you're almost like a creative director and you're yeah. pulling stuff in you're saying, I know she can do this and this and this. How do you get to a point to decide, like, this is what I want to do, this is a business? I actually think it came ultimately Oh, I'm having a Harry he's Potter, going in sorry. with a Harry <laughs> Cherries, oh, Cherries. one of my favourites. Um, I actually think ultimately it it actually stemmed from quite a negative place for me. Um, I would say about eighteen months ago, I was not. I did not have a good relationship with social media. Mm. I was struggling quite a lot. Uh, my anxiety was at a peak. I know it seems a very cliche thing to say, but anxiety is real. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found myself at this point in life where on the outside, I was, I was one of those people on the outside, everything looked fab. Mm. Everything looked great. And it took a lot of conversations, mainly with my boyfriend, who's been incredibly supportive. Um, and some of my friends were like, but, but everything looks fine. Yeah, I know, but actually I'm not projecting the, the image or the person that I actually mm. am. And I feel like it's because I was putting too much pressure on making everything about me. I need to do a YouTube video that's all about me. I need to write a blog post that's about me. I need to shoot these photos that's all about me, it's me, me, me. Actually, I kind of like a, stepping back a little bit and saying, no, you, you have, have your moment. I'm, I'm good at organizing things. This is the thing, I'm, I feel like I'm, I'm quite good at organizing things. So. If I've got someone giving me information from there, mm. someone giving me information from there, I'm good at being able to manipulate things and make things work to get the best um, result. I'm just not good when the pressure and the spotlight is all on mm. me. So actually I kind of realized, well, hang on, I, I want to continue doing what I'm doing. I know that I'm helping people. I know that a lot of people look up to me and that isn't something that I take lightly. It's not a responsibility that I, you know, take lightly at all, but how can I give my best while still caring for myself as well? And that was kind of where it came from and realizing how many incredible people that are around me in so many different fields that just know so many different things. It's kind of like utilize them in the best possible way where everyone can benefit. You know, I, I do think that I'm in a fortunate position that because I've got such a great following on social media. I'm in the position where if I ask someone, would you like to contribute to my website and every, I will push everything out on my social media, they're probably more likely to say mm. yes. Um, but, you know, well, I'm not gonna apologize for the fact that I've got the followers I've got and I've got the numbers that I've got because I've worked hard for it. You know, I've ended up in this position and I'm gonna do what I can with it. So if I'm saying to someone who, you know, has got, you know, 10, 20, 30,000 followers, do you want your work to be projected out to, mm. you know, a total reach combined of all my platforms of like 5 million people? That's insane. Do you want that? And luckily people mm. are saying yes. So mm. that's kind of where I've tried to take a negative and turn it mm. into a positive um, and, you know, stay true to myself along the way and what I'm passionate about. That's not a negative at all in everything you've just said. And mm. actually, it's really refreshing to hear someone say a lot of that. Because yeah. again, I, I feel like there is this pressure on being able to do everything, but you pulling things in and moving things around. And 
it's that exchange of value that you can see value in someone else and you can say, well, actually, I've got this and I've got this platform. I know having worked for you know, TV, um, uh, TV companies and the numbers you have are insane, like five million reach across. How do you, how do you get that? Like how, and how do you manage that? I try not to think too much about numbers. Mm. I, again, I think because that's what I was doing when I wasn't in such a great place. I was putting so much focus on the number of likes and this. And yeah, obviously it is my job. So things like that are important in terms of brands, but there is more to life than, than just working with brands. You know, obviously happiness comes first and foremost. So now I try not to look too much into it. You know, I know people that will study the analytics, like study, study, study it. And for some things it will work, but actually for, I found the, the kind of more, you know, off the cuff content that I, produces what does best you think oh, I'll post that photo you know it, it, yeah it, it's great but you know it's does better than something that I've thought about it's so editorial and it's 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 crazy so I, I find that my followers are constantly surprising me with the results that I'm getting um, and you know I think my story in social media was a little bit different from other people's I think and actually speaking to someone like Lorna Lux mm -hmm. Um, she said that she got a big boost of her following because back in the day, before the days of algorithms and all of this, in, she was on like a, an Instagram who to follow type list or something. And I think she said that she shot up like 50,000 followers in like a month or two months or something ridiculous like that. I also had a similar start to my social media. Um, and then I would say, you know, I, I got to about 400,000 and from 400,000 to where I am now, I would say it's kind of been yeah a kind of a, a bit of a snowball effect from that but it's been purely the content that I've been creating and I, I just listen to what people want and my followers are similar to me I've got quite a sarcastic sense of humor I like posting sarcastic quotes they really enjoy them cool well I get enjoyment out of that as do you so I carry on doing it you know it just kind of I, I do things that I want to do and they seem to respond well to it so luckily I just carry on doing it um, a lot of people put too much energy into numbers and yeah I, I you know people can say to me oh, it's easy for you because you're on the other end of it but ultimately regardless like you know you're going to leave this world with nothing so you might as well make sure that you're happy whilst you're here and really what is you know 50,000.1 or 50,000.2 followers gonna like you know happiness just just do what you enjoy and if you've got passion for it it, sh it shouldn't feel you shouldn't feel any sort of like kind of negative vibes off of it. So that's kind of, I don't know if that's even answered your question. Again, I'm just really chatting, aren't no, I? No, it's just absolutely, going it's fine. I'm just letting you chat. I'm just like <laughs> sitting back, eyeing up these Harry Potter. I've had I'm one. I'm going to go in for I, one. I realised they were too noisy for me to eat, but you have one. Okay, I'm going to go in for one. You, you can... Danielle reaches for the Harry Potter. And... Yes. Same. Are they cherries? Yeah, I always thought they were like a heart. Oh my God, they are. You've just literally changed my life. <laughs> I didn't know those were cherries. So basically it's the Harry Bowl with the green um, sort of triangle on the top and then the two strawberry balls attached to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. cherries. And Let's, it's cherry flavoured. It, it's okay. This is, yeah. See that, Although, Danielle, that's how you've got all your followers. You shed light that's on it. things which seem, yeah. yeah. 
that'll, that'll be a, a post coming soon. I can't wait for that one. I'm going to ask you a question while you're eating that Harry Bowl. Mm -hmm. You kind of touched, uh, touched, touched on the anxiety of 18 months ago and also about the focusing on the positive. Mm -hmm. I had um, Lydia Elise Millen, who you know, mm -hmm. um, on the podcast last week. And we kind of touched on the whole, the negative side of having such a huge audience. Yeah. You obviously will focus on what's good and kind of what you're doing, but like, do you have trolls? Do you have like, and, yeah. and how do you cope with that? Do you cope with that? Yeah, I think actually, because I heard your podcast with Lydia and, you know, I think she hit the nail on the head when she said, you know, everyone has trolls, regardless of, of numbers. If you're in the social media space, you will have you'll be trolled at some point um it's it you can't please everyone and also you shouldn't want to please everyone and yeah i've definitely had my fair share i would say that it's not as intense now as maybe it was a few years ago you know we're talking a few years ago i was you know told things like you know your your mum should have aborted you i hope that you get cancer or if they knew i was going away i hope your plane crashes things like that that you actually read and you think how can someone actually, not even necessarily write it, but think about that and then think, I'm gonna write that to someone else. Because we all know, you know, they would never say it to my face. I, like, absolutely not. Um, and luckily, I don't get things as intense as that now. Although probably other people do, like this, it is still going on. You know, the fact that Lydia said she really would want to do more for that in the future, like I'm, I'm absolutely standing behind her on that. Um, I've worked quite a lot with CyberSmile, who are a cyberbullying charity. Some of the numbers that they, they've said, you know, about, you know, suicide rates and self-harm and that in, in young people purely because of cyberbullying, it's, it breaks my heart. Um, and the only fortunate thing that I can see is that, you know, I'm, I'm nearly 30. I'm a grown woman. I can read it. Mm feel sorry for that person because ultimately it's coming from a place of jealousy or unhappiness within themselves and be able to not let it affect me. But there are people that, that don't see it like that. Um, so in that sense, I'm kind of like, do you know what, don't troll them people, troll me because I can deal with it. I mean, I'd rather you didn't troll at all, but if you're gonna, you know, at least I can handle it. I can handle my own. In in your life and sort of things you do, we we actually spoke about this before we started recording about sort of public. I say public life, but the stuff you're sharing on social media mm -hmm. and your private life. And you mentioned before about your boyfriend. How do you decide what to share and what not to share? I my rule, I guess, would be for myself, and I can only speak for myself. Don't. I would I would kind of follow the rule of don't really share anything unless it's something that is, you know, like birthdays or if we go on holiday together, obviously I'll, we'll take photos and things like that. Um, but day-to-day -day life, no, because actually it's those moments where, you know, we're kind of sat on the sofa and that's actually what our relationship is. Our relationship isn't holidaying in St. Lucia every week, you know, or, you know, him taking me out for my birthday or vice versa so it's those kind of I, I try to then keep social media to what it is meant to be and you're meant to you know put up you know if you've had a great night out and you've that is what social media initially was it was kind of you know like Facebook then became obviously Instagram with just more pictures and less words 
but ultimately my relationship and my life in general is for me um, and I also think you know I've, I've been in the situation before where people have known about my personal life and then if things go wrong or you know you you go through a bit of a, a, a tough time you have to be able to deal with that and people still want to know what's going on and you can't really just say no so I'm not going to tell you now well no because we were invested in your relationship in what you ate for dinner in you know the, the, a baby or a, a animal that you had together or a car that you had or a home that you shared so we need to know you know because they see it as like a sitcom almost like a how you you know you'd watch friends and you'd want to know what happened with Ross and Rachel tell me and that's kind of I think it's hard for for, for people to then be able to shut off and say actually no I need to deal with this in, in private because people do expect to know they become so invested in your life that they they want to know everything so um, that's kind of where I stand with me personally but each to their own you know if people want to share everything about their life then go for it because you've got so much going on at the moment like what do you have an ultimate goal like do you think do you project forward and think that is what I want or she or he has got what I want? Is there a, yeah. is there a business model somewhere that you think, I wish that was mine or is it something completely different? But no, there are definitely people that I'm inspired by. Um, obviously more so like successful women. I, I love reading books about women that have really thrived in their business. I am really inspired by people like Sheryl Sandberg, who's like the C, I think she's now the COO of Facebook or she was worked for Google before. She's like top dog. Um, and also people like Sophia Amoruso, who had Nasty Gal, you know, wrote that book Girl Boss. Like, people like that. I'm like, do you know what? You're the people that I want to read about and be inspired by, motivated by. So I'm definitely inspired by people. As for, like, a goal, I, I actually stopped setting myself goals when I was younger. Because I, for some random reason, I thought I was going to, own a house at the age of 18. Ludicrous, I know. I thought I was going to be married by the time I was 24. And this is when I was like 16, 17. I just thought, this is what happens. 18, you're an adult, so you buy a house. I know, absolutely bizarre. Um, and obviously, I was getting closer and closer to those ages. I was like, guys, I'm not doing any of the stuff that I set my goals for. And the only person I was disappointing, obviously, was myself. My parents knew that it was never going to happen. They knew I was never going to buy a house at the age of 18. But I didn't. That, for me, was, well, that's what you do. And I, I obviously wasn't reaching those goals. And so, I, I, like I said, I only really disappointed myself. So I just kind of stopped setting myself goals. And I literally just said from then on, I'm just going to do the best that I can. I never want to feel as though I could have done more. I never, ever want to feel as though, look back and think, I could have done a bit more there. I could have done better. I could have tried harder. I could have worked for longer. You know, I, I don't ever want that feeling. Um, so in terms of kind of where I want to get to, at the minute, obviously, a lot of my focus is on my method and obviously my new website and creating something really good from that. I want to be so proud of it so that if we speak in, you know, a year's time, five years time, that you're like, do you remember when you were telling me about that? And now look at you, you've got this global platform, this website that has however many thousands of, you know, hits a day and you are the go-to for fitness health beauty you know well-being you you've done it and there's no specific numbers that are, you know involved in that it's just 
I just want to make it the best that I can. If I'm focused on something, I want to do it to the best. I wanted to dance for the biggest and best artists, and I did. I want to make my site and my brand as good as it can be. That's kind of my motivation and my goal, rather than I want to have a brand that's as big as whatever it is, you know? That's a that's quite a thing to actually not not have goals as your goal. Like, yeah, it, it totally makes sense though, because it is. It's it's not it's not even a setting yourself up for failure. It's a it's a I want more and yeah. I want to just constantly do it. Yeah, I'm excited for you. I've got to say, from having this conversation, yeah. you've got such a good energy. Thanks. Like you, you definitely there's there is something about you which obviously has gone into the success mm. so I, I i just know that whatever you do is going to be great oh thank you and uh yeah and i'm sure a lot of people listening to this will be they'll be feeling inspired they'll be feeling ready to not set those goals in order to to get more but um thank you very much this oh great. thank you i literally so i could fun. chat to you forever but it makes my editing job <laughs> so much harder oh thank you so much this has been so fun it's, it's therapeutic it, i think it, to oh my god chat. It really is therapeutic. So, um, and great also, questions as well. I'm also sat opposite you with a pen and notepad, and you're kind of lounging on my. I know. I'm thinking of going in for so another far. Haribo. So. You can definitely do that. But thank you, um, everyone who is listening. If you're new to the podcast, Flat White Chats, then please do subscribe on iTunes, follow on Spotify if you're on there, and also give me a five star rating because it really does matter but i'll put all of danielle's links down below in the show notes her website her instagram her youtube anything else which she gives me will be all down there but thanks again danielle thank you bye-bye